When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Is Michael Penix Jr. a great fit for the Minnesota Vikings? It's no secret that he had a fantastic last two years for the University of Washington and almost won the Heisman Trophy this past season, but lost narrowly to Jaden Daniels. What can we take from Michael Penix Jr.'s performance at Washington and how do you contextualize the injury issues that he had at Indiana while pairing it with two healthy years at Washington? Welcome to Skull Search. Welcome to Real Porno Show. Hosted by Tyler Fornis, the managing editor of USA Today's Vikings Wire. Writer for the College Football Network. Publisher of Substack Run In Shooter. Host of The Good, The Bad, and The Hungry on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, as well as a founding member of Vikings First and Skull. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Skull Search. I'm your host, Tyler Florence. With me, as always, is producer Dave, and we are here to talk about one of the more popular prospects among Minnesota Vikings fans right now, and that is Washington quarterback Michael Penix Jr. And let's let's not beat around the bush. Let's jump right into it. And Michael Penix Jr. is a very intriguing prospect. As you can see, he looks like a quarterback. Build-wise, he's 6'3", 213 pounds, a sixth-year senior after transferring from the University of Indiana. And why did he have six years? Part of due to COVID-19, part of it due to injuries. And we're going to talk a lot about those injuries uh, as as we continue to progress. Um, look, he had a very successful career for a guy who's increased incredibly mobile and can beat you with his legs. He does not want to. He wants to beat you from the pocket. And I think that's a really interesting layer to add to this conversation, because 
when you thought about him at Indiana, you thought about the guy who was running around making plays with his legs that play in the first week of the big 10 COVID season where he beat Penn state with like that Michael Vick ask a dive at the pylon to be able to get uh, that two point conversion. Those are the lasting images of Michael Penix really as a runner the last two years. He has been a true pocket passer for the university of Washington. And he threw for over 13,000 yards, 95 touchdowns, 32 interceptions, and also ran for another 13 touchdowns. So he has a touchdown interception ratio of over three to one and touchdowns in essence are random. Okay. So I don't read a ton into it. If one guy has like a hundred and the other guy has 130, but the offenses scored around the same amount because uh, you can get the ball down to the one yard line. And then your running back just has 20 touchdowns Blake corn for Michigan at 25 this year, like touchdowns are random. So I, I don't want everybody to get hung up on that number. And we're going to, we'll have that conversation more often when we talk about more prospects, because it's, it's about how successful you are within the context of the offense and not how the offense finishes, because it may not, it just may not be your time. Um, just look at Calvin Johnson's 1900 yard season. He got tackled inside the five yard line, I think eight times. And he scored four touchdowns. Like, just imagine if all of those, he ended up getting it across the goal line. That's 12. And that feels more natural. So touchdowns are random. Um, To get this scouting report done, I watched uh, four games, Boise State, Oregon. Sorry, I watched five. Oregon, USC, Arizona State, and then the Pac-12 title game against Oregon. So there's plenty of tape for me on here. But before I get into it, Dave, I want to know what you think of Michael Penix Jr., like, what is your overall synopsis before we really do that deep dive? Uh, that he has potential. I worry about that he's a little skinny. I worry about Sam Bradford knees. Um, but the way he throws a football and the way he can lead a receiver and do that sort of stuff, I like very, very much. It's you would like to have seen better in the national championship game. But he was obviously hurt there at the end. Looked like a ribs of some sort, mm-hmm. uh, which con- contributes to his injury prone. However, I would say that's they're unrelated. Whether it be his knees, whether it be his off shoulder or his ribs, those are three separate things that aren't linked. Uh, it's going to be interesting. If he came to the Vikings, I would not be disappointed. So we're going to get into quarterbacks that would disappoint me in further episodes of Skull Search. Yes, we are. And we're going to get uh, near ones that disappoint me as well. Well, let's continue on with the conversation about Michael Penix Jr. And let's start out with some strengths. We're going to talk a lot about the drawbacks. And I know the, the one thing that's coming up in the comments in the live chat right now, which one we greatly appreciate you coming on and listening to us live. Make sure you like, subscribe, and ring the bell because we are going to have a lot of these skull searches and they're going to be relatively unannounced because we have to figure out timing ourselves so we can make sure that we get them in. So you're going to want to do that for your own benefit and it's okay if you can't join live. The whole idea is for you to join live and we love that. But we also know it's not plausible every time. So make sure you like, subscribe, ring the bell. It's going to make a big difference making sure you catch everything. All right. First things first, Michael Penix Jr., we got to talk about the deep ball. And we have to talk about him being able to layer it in nicely. Now, he did have the benefit of having three 
really, really good receivers, Dave. Um, three NFL caliber receivers. Romo Dunze is likely a top 10 pick. Jalen Polk and Jalen McMillan are likely top 100 picks. So you have three guys who are going to be playing on Sundays. That's a very rare luxury to have in the world of college football. Not guys who will make a practice squad. No, three guys who are going to be playing big boy football on Sundays. And Odunze has a chance to be a true wide receiver one in the National Football League, where McMillan and Polk, I believe, are complementary pieces, but still valuable. Like, think on the level of, like, a Tyler Boyd, where there's a lot of value there, especially early in his career. Boyd was very valuable, but they're not going to be that alpha dog. And there's nothing wrong with that. There are very few alpha dogs in the NFL. But the one thing that Penix really took advantage of is the chemistry with those receivers. He had the ability to place the ball in spots down the field to be able to, one, let the receiver take advantage of the defensive back, and two, get utilize space properly. So if Penix saw Jalen Polk running a post corner, all right, and you saw the 70-plus yard touchdown against Texas, he layered that ball in beautifully. Polk had about a step on the defender, layered it in perfectly in stride, and boom, Polk does the rest for about 40 yards. That's the kind of thing that Penix is going to bring you. He's going to attack down the field. And that's something in this offense with Kevin O'Connell that he really likes to do. He likes to attack down the field, especially that 15 to 25 yard window. He loves those deep hooks, dagger, bow, and being able to really run dig routes across the middle and attack that space. The one interesting drawback, Penix doesn't like to throw in the middle of the field. Now, is that a, uh, part of it being the offense itself and really liking to attack outside the numbers, which a lot of college quarterbacks love to do. Or is it about Penix being similar to a Russell Wilson where he's just not comfortable? I haven't figured that out yet. That is a real question mark that we're going to have to try and figure out over the course of time. But for the time being, Penix loves to attack down the field and if it's deep enough, middle field's not an issue. We're talking middle field from like the line of scrimmage to about 20 yards out. That area is a little bit of a struggle for him. Okay. He also understands coverage. He understands how, man, how to manipulate safeties. He understands how to look guys off to be able to give his guys an advantage. And that scheme did a really good job of setting these receivers up to get one-on-one coverage like beaters we've talked about on this show. We talked about like the pin concept, which is a quarters beater. So when you're running quarters, you got four deep. All right. But when you have one guy on the other side running a dig route, that middle safety that's supposed to carry the post back, he attacks forward because he sees the in route, which that's a trigger for him. So it puts him in conflict. If he goes deep, you hit the in route. If he goes short, you go deep and you have single coverage. The first two touchdowns of Jordan Addison this year, against the Bengals, against the Eagles, pin concepts. So he understands how to manipulate safeties. He understands how to do those things. That's good stuff from a college quarterback. He also is really good in the pocket, but he's not flawless. And let's kind of work through that. All right. So he's got excellent poise. Doesn't get rattled a ton by pressure on individual plays. Okay. If it's a single play with pressure, he doesn't get rattled by it. As you saw in the national championship game, 
that constant had him overthinking, had him losing touch with his mechanics, which are a, a little bit of an issue in general because he's he's more of that gunslinger mentality where he doesn't always utilize his base. He doesn't always get his feet completely set. He just has the arm and he's just going to throw it. And there's merit to that, but you also want to play within yourself. So he doesn't get rattled on like a single individual play, but over a collection of time, he does. All right. I hope that makes some sense. Uh, One thing that really impresses me is how he kind of maneuvers in the pocket. And we've talked, we're going to talk more about his knees. Dave mentioned the, the injury concerns with Michael Penix jr. And he does have two torn ACLs, one on each knee. Um, and he has two dislocations of his right non-throwing shoulder. It's not the throwing shoulder. It's the opposite shoulder, which is important to note. That doesn't make it necessarily better, but it could be worse. Like It's still bad. You don't want to have dislocations on your shoulder. But it's better that it's your non-throwing instead of your throwing shoulder because you're using a lot of torque with this left one when, when you're Michael Penix Jr. All right. So yeah, he's great in the pocket. He would much rather beat you from the pocket than outside. He likes to slide up. He likes to sl- like kind of move around. If you remember watching Dan Marino back in the day and Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, what these guys would do is they would never really scramble outside the pocket, but they had the senses and the presence of mind to know if somebody's coming from, from my back, right, I need to slide up and right to that space in the pocket where the defender voids. So I can utilize it to be able to attack down the field. Penix has a little bit of that in him. I don't think he's next level, but I think he's good at it. And that helps. He also has the ability to really hit pump fakes and you use that to attack down the field. Um, Lastly, I do like how his footwork is relatively crisp out of the shotgun and how he gets back into his drop. My, and we'll use this to transition into negatives. The big thing with his footwork is once he's done with that drop and he transitions into throwing the ball, it, it's, it's where it gets a little dicey. He doesn't always utilize his footwork to drive. He does. He, he throws a lot with all arm and then he throws sidearm. And one of the issues with throwing sidearm is you can sail the ball. You can throw in accurately. Like it, it's, it's a little like pitching. You don't teach a pitcher to throw a sidearm. If it's just their natural thing, you just let them do it. Like, and then you just kind of got to work with it. You want like a three quarter release. So if you're going over the top, you're going like this, your sidearm, you're going like this three quarter, just it's like a natural throwing motion. Well, he throws a lot sidearm and it kind of gave me like, if you remember what watching Vince young throw for Texas, and how he almost like flipped his elbow up. It's not that extreme, but it, it, he does have a little bit of that sidearm action. It's a little bit worrisome. And I've noticed that you see it a little bit more with lefties. Uh, and one of the difficult parts about lefty quarterbacks, which feels incredibly stupid, but there aren't a lot of guys who know how to coach lefties because there aren't a lot of lefty quarterbacks. Yeah. You can name a handful of successful left-handed quarterbacks that have played in the NFL. Steve young, Boomer Esiason and Tua. Michael Vick. Like the list is very small when it comes to left-handed quarterbacks. So you don't have a lot of great coaching for those guys. Cause it, while it's as simple as, Hey, you just have to flip the mechanics. That's also not simple to teach. 
and to adjust and adapt. It it's a lot more than that. So let's Dave. Were there any other positives that you think I might have missed when in in the midst of this conversation? Because there are a lot of really good things about Michael Penix. Oh, there is. Uh, without a doubt, there is. Um, you're rolling the dice, though, with those, with his size. And there's a picture I posted. I don't think we've got to it yet because I'm rolling through the first mm-hmm. batch that compares his leg size to that of a defensive lineman. And the defensive lineman's about twice as wide. I worry yeah. about skinny in a position that's going to take a lot of abuse. Now that's going to go for Jaden Daniels too, who I'm super duper high on. There's, um, but the dude can throw a football, and I'm cool with that. Now, how old is he? You say he's a fifth year or sixth year mm-hmm. senior. He's how 24. Old. All right, 24. Not too bad. And one of the worries about drafting a prospect of this age, and we had some of those worries with Jaron Hall, but it, it was slightly different with Jaron Hall, how I viewed it. Because when you talk about Jaron Hall, you also have to include the two-year Mormon mission in his age. So he has two years away from football. When you have two years away from football, your body doesn't have the same amount of wear and tear and the same amount of hits that you would if he had played during that entire time. So it was slightly different. Penix has played football the entire time. So he's a real 24 when it comes to like football age. Now let's talk about the injuries. All right. Two torn ACLs and two dislocated shoulders. They ended seasons. That's not good. That's really bad. Um, And especially for when you want to bring in a quarterback to be your future, having that kind of injury history is not necessarily a good thing. It's uh, honestly, it's just bad. You don't want to have those kind of things. And I think when you look at some of these elements, having those injuries is really, really tough. Um, but it also doesn't mean it's a deal breaker. It all depends on what the Vikings medical staff thinks, because it's not about what it is now. It's about trying to project out. Are these knees going to have arthritis? Is the shoulder going to have arthritis? Are they going to be degenerative? Are they going to be a a, a serious risk of re-injury? These are all questions you have to answer. I don't have those answers. Um, It's something that, you have to be able to figure out on your own. And I think the Vikings will be able to do that. Uh, a couple more things that were a little rough for Penix. Look, his mechanics are wonky. Um, we talked about the sidearm release, which can fly things away. What, Dave? Yeah, but somebody took his his video of how he throws the football and flipped it. So he looks like a right-hander. Yeah. And measured against the right-hander, his mechanics were extremely good. That, um, he throws a little sidearm. Other like, than the sidearm. But we know there's right-handed quarterbacks in the league that are successful that can throw mm-hmm. a sidearm football. Yeah, and, Yes, there are, there are problems with throwing sidearm, and it, and it should be mentioned. Um, and it's also the footwork. The footwork's just inconsistent. And that doesn't have to do with lefty or righty. Um, left Lefty's should have the same footwork as a righty. Um, He doesn't use his legs to drive the football often. And to me, that's a red flag, especially because he has two ACL injuries. So if you're not using your legs to drive the football, 
and you're using all arm and shoulder, that tells me that you can't drive with your legs. Now, does that mean it's the case? It doesn't necessarily mean it's the case. But that's why it raises that red flag because you should be able to use your legs to help you drive the football because he has a strong arm. So why aren't you using your base to make it that much better and to make it more accurate? Because when you align your body uh, in one direction, if you're trying to throw to the pylon, you align your body to throw to the pylon and you're going to be accurate more often than not. And that's, that's the kind of thing that I'm a little worried about where he'll get himself aligned, but then he doesn't step into throws. He's mostly flat footed and he uses all arm. Now it works, but you see oftentimes when he misses it's you're seeing those mechanical flaws. And when you aren't using great mechanics, you can still have great success, but you're going to limit your ability to have success because you're not utilizing great process. Great process will yield great results more often than not. And poor process, if it yields good results, unfortunately, you'll still utilize poor process. And that's one of the things that I'm I'm talking about. Like, And Chris mentions he relies pretty heavily on arm strength. Um, well, he, here's the thing. It's okay to rely on your arm strength, but be smarter about it. And if he hasn't relearned how to use his legs since the injuries... Man, he hasn't had a torn ACL in years. He should be at a point now where that's not an issue. And if it is an issue, red flag. Shoot that all the way up to the top of the Mario pole when you when you finish a level. That's a problem. If you haven't relearned, like I think the last time he tore an ACL was the I think it was the 2019 season. I think 2020 he had a shoulder. And when you have those knee injuries you should be able to figure it out pretty quick because yeah, that's a part of the rehab process. But it's not just legs. We talk about legs and drive, but it's also hips. It's uh, very much like a golf swing or a pitch, how you're winding up the body. Mm-hmm. to uh, And you're using your legs and your hips and you come around and the shoulder comes around and the arm comes down, right, with the ball as you're throwing the ball. Mm-hmm. It will, one, if you master it, lengthens your career because you can throw all those NFL-type throws. You can throw a 40-yarder down the middle and not worry about it. It won't even break a sweat. Now, you and if you build it up good enough, you can be Josh Allen and throw 60 yards in the air, right? 65, whatever it is. You can absolutely gun it because you're generating more power that way. If he's worried about his knees... In that whole twisting motion, stepping through, yeah, that's a red flag. I agree with you there. Yeah, it's if you haven't figured out how to utilize some of those things by now, when mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'll have to look it up because I might be wrong on what the last time he had a torn ACL. But if you haven't relearned it by this point, considering you've had two full healthy seasons with Washington. Red flag. That's a problem. Complete problem. Um, I understand it's conjecture, Chris, but it, it's a it's a very interesting point. And one of the reasons why when I watch his mechanics, I'm worried that he can't do it. And that was a big red flag for me when watching him, because I know he like to me, if you put him on a driving range, 
he's a guy that's going to hit the ball 400 yards. Do you know where that ball's going to go all the time? Nah, no, but he can drive the crap out of the football and he can hit it 400 yards. Well, can I trust him with the short game? Can I trust him with the putting? Can I trust him with the intermediate irons? Can I trust him to be able to hit a successful draw, um, draw or fade? I don't know that because of those mechanical issues. And I want, I just want to know more. I want to know his process. I want to see how he grows from tape to throwing at the combine. If he does to how he's throwing at individual pro days and what the medical information brings, he will be at the senior bowl. I don't know if he's playing because he had that rib injury though. really painful against Michigan, but all those things matter and all those things factor into this evaluation. And it's such it's such a conv- uh, confusing one because when you watch the player play football, it's like, man, I want that guy on my team. Uh, thank you, Josue. Uh, it's twenty twenty one for his last torn ACL. So you're talking year one. Okay, if he doesn't have it fully back, understandable, fair. This past year, if he should have had everything back, all his bearings, everything should have been normal, and that that's a that's a fair expectation. It's a it's going to be a fair expectation for TJ Hawkinson. It, like he's not going to be a hundred percent normal probably next year. He should be in twenty twenty five, and those things matter. Um, lastly, I, I want to see him just be more consistent with how he utilizes his footwork. Um, if, if he can't do some of those things, well, then that's a red flag, and it's going to push him down the board quite a bit for me. But it's not that he can't do it. All like he's not doing it all the time. I want that answer. And that that all floats back to everything we talked about with that footwork. Can he do it? Can he not? Is it something where it's just going to be a flash in the pan? I genuinely don't know. And to me, that's a scary, scary thought. And especially when you talk about the 11th overall pick. And when you, when we're looking at my uh, mock draft tracker, which I have consistently every single Monday. So we've done two weeks of the mock draft tracker. So 14 days, January 1st, to January 14th, there have been 39 picks, 39 mock drafts. So I I'm picking industry mock drafts. I'm picking the best of the best. All right. People that know what they're doing and they come from reputable places. 39 mock drafts, seven of them, Michael Penix second place to only lie to Latu, which is the ninth Gary. Thank you very much for joining we greatly appreciate your patronage and your support. Um, the, I know it comes right in the middle of me kind of talking, but it really does mean a lot. And thank you. Um, I have too many questions about Michael Penix Jr. And there's a lot of talk about Jaden Daniels. There's a lot of talk about all these other quarterbacks. I guarantee you and promise you, we're going to be talking more quarterbacks. It's going to be ad nauseum over the next few months until we figure out what the true plan is for this franchise. I'm, we're going to try and do another one on Thursday. Guess what? You're going to get two quarterbacks and I'm not going to tell you who they are. I will not tell you. And it's just going to be a surprise and you're going to have to like subscribe and ring the bell. So you can see that notification when Dave gets the video scheduled, then you'll find out. Let's talk about the overall grade. The overall grade for me is a little weird because I can only go off of the information I have. This grade can and will be modified when I get more information. Why is that? Because I don't have access to the medicals. I have not had conversations with people who truly know what's going on with his medicals. So this is my film grade of him. And he got an 81.3 out of 100. 
So uh, mid to late second round pick. And with a quarterback tax, I would feel comfortable maybe trading to get him at 32. But second round, I think is 100% fair based on everything I know. And that's the tough part because I don't know enough to really give an accurate assessment of what I think of his pro prospects. Panics could go 11th. He could not get drafted at all because of the medicals. There's too much. Too all much. Right. Say right right now he's PFF's number four quarterback. Mm-hmm. If the medicals check out, does he make it into the second round or the bottom of the first? Maybe. Um, I I think. Thank you, Nurt. Nurse, yes, that's very kind of you. I I think the issues he has outside of the medicals could push him out of the first round. I also think he's not going to be for everybody because he likes to drive the ball down the field. I think he'll drive Kyle Shanahan nuts because he's not going to be the type of player that he wants. I think in what Kevin O'Connell wants to do, what Sean McVay wants to do, drive the ball down the field. That's going to be a good fit for him. And that answers an earlier question. Is KOC more McVay or more Shanahan? Passing concepts, he's 100% more McVay. Um, rushing concepts, I still think Eileen McVay. I, I, I really think that he's trying to drive the ball down the field. He's trying to hit those dagger routes. He's... That you see some of the Shanahan stuff sprinkled in, but he's running most of it out of 11. He runs some 12, but he's not running 12 like Kyle Shanahan runs 12. So I would I would say it's he's more McVeigh pilled. But I do think that Penix in a vacuum really fits what the Vikings want to do. I genuinely don't know if the medicals are going to be good enough for them to take him. I, I really don't. Um, and that's the really difficult part of this conversation. We'll know more when we're told we know more. And you know what? We may not more till draft date and he's available in round five. And they're like, hey, what's going on? And then Chef, he's like, everybody's really concerned about that, uh, about X. And that's why he's still available. So that that's one of the difficult parts. Preseason, I gave him a second round grade to an undrafted grade based on the medicals. If the medicals were clean, that second round is pretty good going into the year. And that's where I, I have him right now. He's going to end up QB five for me, unless uh, one of these later round guys just absolutely wows me and jumps him, which I don't think is going to happen because I've watched six guys so far. Jaden Daniels, JJ McCarthy, Michael Penix, Jr., Michael Pratt, Spencer Rattler, and Bo Nix. And that's how I have them ranked in that order. Jaden Daniels at the top. Uh, Michael Pratt almost got him uh, when I watched him last night. Um, he got an 81.2 and Penix is an 81.3. So, this is a very talented football player, but until we understand what the medicals are, I, it's, I, I wish I could, but I can't give you a full accurate assessment. And that's what stinks because I want to be able to tell you that he's going to go here or he should go here. But all I can tell you is based on information I have and based on the film, he should be a second round pick or late first because like, he is a very good football player. Have some issues to iron out, which you have with almost everybody. But if the Vikings end up taking him and the medicals are comfortable, I th- I think you should feel pretty good about it. You have to clean up the footwork. 
And you have to figure out why he does not want to attack the middle of the field and why he only wants to spread to the outside. Is it a Russell Wilson problem or is it a college offense? I'm trying to utilize spacing more air raidy kind of problem. Air raid doesn't like to throw over the middle. Air raid wants to throw timing to the outside. And this offense threw a lot to the outside. So what does that mean for his pro prospects? I don't know. But if you can get him to throw over the middle in those dig routes, those deep crossers, I think that this could be a really interesting play for the Vikings. And before we go, I'm going to answer a question from earlier, and I do not remember who asked it, so thank you for doing so. The Vikings go defense at 11. Would I go Penix at 42? Right now, I probably would. But I'll be honest, I'd take J.J. McCarthy over Michael Penix Jr. J.J. McCarthy, has. we're going to talk about him a lot in a later episode, but he has not been given the opportunity to really be this alpha like Penix was. And you have to determine, was that because of McCarthy or is that because of Jim Harbaugh? I think it's because of Jim Harbaugh and how they wanted to play football. He never gave any of his quarterbacks to really be the alpha. Not even Andrew Luck was truly given the keys to be the alpha. They wanted to power run the football and they did before uh, Harbaugh ended up going to take the 49ers job. So looking at all factors, I like McCarthy. I think he's got a lot of tools to work with. He's also 20 turns 21 on the 20th on Saturday. And he's got wow throws on his film and he, he has true wheels. It's not Jane Daniels running ability, but I, I like to I, I like to use Aaron Rodgers as the, as the example. Aaron Rodgers has never wanted to run the football. But you know what? Aaron Rodgers will run the football if you give him an open field. He's like, all right, I'll take 20 yards. And that's that's the kind of runner Aaron Rodgers has always been. I think J.J. McCarthy is that style. Where he doesn't want to run the football, but if you give him the space, he'll gash you. And I'm really excited to talk about him in the later episode, but this is Michael Penix. And... I'm a big fan, but I need more information that I just don't have access to at this point. And I wanted to kind of lay that out. And we, t- we had a lot of really good conversations about Penix, about his injuries and about what makes him really good. And it's going to be trying to compartmentalize and contextualize all of those factors. I think if the medicals are bad, he'll still go day three. Because there's an element that says, okay, I can get this guy in a good spot. And you know what? If he's a backup for six years, that's worth a fifth round pick. But you also might get a situation where he's your starter for six, seven years. And the thing with medical technology, maybe they, they're able to do something. Like it, you hear stuff like uh, like with uh, um, taking like cadaver bones or tendons or utilizing like uh, joints and stuff from like animals to help strengthen what's going on. Like medical science is growing every single day. Tearing your elbow in baseball used to be the end. It used to be the end. Mike, thanks for joining. We appreciate you and everybody else listening. I see your message to fig nuts. Thank you very much. But now you can have two Tommy John surgeries and still be fine. You can still take that next step. And you can still play baseball. It's an 18-month healing process, but you can come back. Nobody truly knows how things are going to evolve and grow 
within everything going on. And uh, Riley, that's very kind of you. I, I greatly appreciate you, you swinging in. Um, congratulations to your Lions, by the way. Um, I don't like the Lions. I love Dan Campbell. And to see you guys finally get something good in your fandom, I thought was really cool. And all the best. That's going to be our show, Dave. Any final thoughts on Michael Penix Jr. and him potentially being a Minnesota Viking? Well, he already wears purple, and I'm cool with that. So does Jaden Daniels, and we're going to need to talk about him sometime, too. Um, yes. If it is, if it happens, it happens. Um, I just want change. I want something different. So, But that's me. That's Dave. So it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, what's on docket for tomorrow? Be honest, not a hundred percent sure what we're going to talk about tomorrow. <laughs> I, uh, the wife uh, and I, th- there's a hotel in town that does open swim, so we're going to go sit in the hot tub because um, our we're getting older, our bodies just kind of need it. So we're going to go sit in the hot tub, and I'll probably think of something. But you'll you'll have an answer from me by the end of the night. We're going to talk about something Minnesota Vikings related. Probably, you know what? Live production meeting, Dave. We're going to talk about, um, I I actually wrote a piece for Vikings Wire earlier today, ranking the biggest needs for this Minnesota Vikings team. That's what we're going to talk about. The biggest needs and what we need to discuss and what we need to fix. So we're going to talk biggest needs. Cool. Until then. Like, comment, subscribe. Make sure you check out the podcast feed. Justin's in the comments. Purple and gold for days. He does some podcast stuff for us that's not available on the YouTube channel, so you're going to want to check that out. But he does have a show coming up right as soon as we go off air. So go over to Justin's channel, Purple and Gold for days, and catch that as well. Bingo. And don't forget, you'll also get um, the NFC North podcast that Dave does with other um, hosts uh, on the Fans for Sports Network. And... Real Forno Show, Wednesday night, 6.05, and we will have at least one more school search this week, likely sometime Thursday. So like, subscribe, ring the bell. You will not want to miss it. Two quarterbacks, two of them. One, two, two. I, I, I feel like I just watched Sesame Street, so that's why uh, we're going two. Uh, I will be on Purple Access this week. That will record on Thursday. I don't know when it will go up. Sometimes it goes up right away on Thursday. Sometimes it goes up Saturday or Sunday. Um, they're purple daily. They like to spread stuff out if they have to. I'm Dave. I'm Tyler. Thank you for joining us talking about Michael Penix Jr. Skull Vikings. Skull Vikings. Like. Subscribe. And ring the bell to get notifications. It helps us grow this community. And we all love our Minnesota Vikings. And on behalf of Tyler Fornis. And myself, Dave Stefano, thank you so dearly for watching The Real Forno Show. Skull, everyone! This has been a Vikings First and Skull production, part of the Fans First Sports Network.